Let me ask you a question this morning. What is it that gets you really fired up? What are you passionate about in your life? <clears throat> Nothing? No, I've seen some of you at football games. <clears throat> I've, seen some, I've seen some of you around here with your St. Louis Cardinal or Chicago Cubs hats and clothing on. I don't understand why. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I'm not from here, so I don't get real fired up about either, any of those teams. But, uh, you know, what are you passionate about? There was one thing in tr that's true in Scripture that I find over and over again that Jesus was passionate about. And it was something he talked about, but not only talked about, but it's something he spent his life focusing upon. Now was something called sinners. People who were lost. People who were far from God. Matter of fact, Jesus got accused many times of, of hanging out with sinners too much. He got accused, of course, by the religious people of his day. That he was not one who uh, hung out with church people, but he hung out with sinners. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where that happens again. And uh, uh, one of the parables that teaches us, I think, an incredibly profound truth that's very difficult to swallow sometimes. But it's something that's uh, very important this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, if you don't have your Bibles, if you picked up a bulletin this morning, the uh, scripture is located in there as well. We'll have it up on the screen. I'm just going to go through the scripture this morning and, and kind of verse by verse talk about it very briefly, and then we're going to talk about some application of what it means for us in this uh, passage of scripture. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it begins, uh, it says this, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. The Pharisees, uh, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee was someone who was a religious leader. There was about 6,000 Pharisees at any given time, and those Pharisees were people who were, the word Pharisee means separated one. It means separated one. It's, the Pharisees were very prideful people. They were so prideful, in fact, that, that they, they kind of held themselves in, in, in great esteem. If you want to know something about the Pharisees, this is Jesus' commentary on Pharisees. If you want to read something sometime and just, you know, kind of get, get a grasp of a Pharisee, Matthew 23. The whole chapter you can read. But let me just read you a few things that Jesus says about the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, and, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. I mean, if you want to read the, that whole passage in there, it basically says this. The Pharisees were people who were extremely religious. They knew all the religious laws. They knew everything there was about Scripture. They had it memorized. I mean, they know more Scripture than probably any of us know. The problem was the Bible says, and Jesus says, matter of fact, you don't even practice it. Matter of fact, in the very, the very first few verses of chapter 23, uh, it says... Um, so you must obey them, he says. He tells the people, you must obey what they say and do everything they tell you about the Pharisees. But, he says, do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Well, uh, that's the picture of this guy that he's going, Jesus is going to this guy's house. He's a Pharisee. We find out his name is Simon, the Pharisee. And he goes to his house, and, and, he, and Jesus begins right at the beginning to hit at the heart of the problem. Today we're going to ask ourselves a couple questions. We're going to ask ourselves the questions. 
Are we like some of the people in this story? And if so, what does it mean for us? Okay, verse, 37, uh, verse 36, he went to the Pharisee's house. Verse 37, he'd gotten there, and, this, and, and when we, we have to understand, when he got to this house, it was a kind of a, there was kind of an open courtyard probably type thing here, and people were from the, there were certain people invited, but pretty much anybody could walk by and see what's happening. And it says in verse 37, when a woman who had lived a sinful life. Now, I understand this morning, folks, uh, this, this whole month of July, we have kindergartners, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth graders in here. So I'm going to very carefully say, <clears throat> for those of you who are mature, uh, carefully say that this person that had a sinful life just had a reputation, okay? There is some other inclinations that she may have had other issues, but let's just say her sin was very public in what she did. So when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Uh, what does that mean? Well, she had with her this little jar of perfume. It's something that, that would only be used personally very, very seldom, and it was used to, you know, to, you know, to be more alluring. And she had that with her. It was something that was very precious, and she brought it with her. In verse 38 it says, And as she stood behind him, behind Jesus, at his feet, as he was reclining at the table, she was weeping. And she began to wet her, his feet with her tears. She was so moved by the nature of, of, of what, who Jesus was and by the reality of what he could do for her and what she, where she was. She was aware of her position, that she had this reputation that she was someone who, who uh, needed what Jesus had, that she was weeping. That was how she approached him. And then it says that then she wiped them, she wiped his feet with her hair. She had, her tears had dropped down on his, on his feet, feet, and she began to use her hair to wipe his, to wipe his, uh, uh, wipe his feet off. Now, two things was going on here. I mean, this is something that's very unusual. Secondly, in that culture, for someone, a lady, to let her hair down, that was considered culturally a thing that you don't do. Because the only person that should see your hair down is your husband. That was the cultural thing that they did in that day. And it says, and then she wiped the, them with her hair. She kissed his feet, them, and poured perfume on them. She took the whole bottle of perfume, this perfume that normally was used to just a little, little bit of it on your head to, to give this uh, nice smell. And she took this whole bottle of perfume and she places it upon Jesus' feet. Now, we don't know exactly why, but I can say this. We probably thought in a real sense, you know, this perfume is not good enough for your head, Jesus. I want to put it on your feet because that is where I just want to realize I want to place myself in a, in a position of humility. She realized she was aware of her need. And because she was aware of her need, she began to weep and she began to, 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 to worship Jesus at that place, literally worship him by uh, crying by by wiping her hair uh, his feet with with her hair and pouring this perfume this expensive perfume on his feet now that's that's the picture we have in this thing she was somebody that would not have been invited to this party she was somebody who kind of overcame her fears and her her the, the things that were going on in her life and she began to come here because she saw it had a great need verse 39 <laughs> i love verse 39 when the Pharisee, remember who he was, religious professional, when the Pharisee who had invited him, who invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, now he's kind of like mumbling under his breath to himself, and this is what he says, if this man were a prophet, 
He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. She's a sinner. I can see him now mumbling under his breath. Jesus, if he really were a prophet, if he really knew who this person was, he would realize that she, he, she should not be touching him because in our culture, if somebody is a sinner, we don't let them around us. And this was a religious person, okay? A person who knew everything about the law. And then the, the very focus of this passage, verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon. He calls him by name. You know, the lady, okay, listen, think about this a moment. The lady is there. She has come to Jesus. She's at his feet. She's, she's, she's crying on his feet. Her tears are falling on his feet. Uh, her hair, she's using her hair to wipe the, the tears off of his feet. She's poured the perfume on his feet. All this stuff is happening. And Jesus and Simon's sitting over here mumbling to himself, about this lady who was a sinner. And Jesus, instead of addressing the lady, she, he looks at Simon and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon says, tell me, teacher. You see, Jesus knew what was going on here. He knew that the issue there, the, the issue that he needed to address was the hypocrisy of the Pharisee, Simon. And not the indiscretion of the woman. Now, he would deal with that. It wasn't really an indiscretion, but he wanted to deal with that. And, and he, but he addressed Simon. He says, Simon, I want, to, I want to tell you a story. And this is where the parable comes in today. He tells him a little short parable that addresses this issue and nails it right on the head where it needs to be. Verse 41. He says, so let me tell you a story. He said, two men owned, owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Let me explain how much that is in our current uh, culture. Um, 500 denarii would have been about two years' worth of wages. It was a lot of money. About two years' worth of wages. So based upon that, 50 denarii would be about two and a half months of wages. Both owned, owed a person a lot of money. One owed a lot less than the other person. One, two years' worth of wages. One, two and a half. So just think about it in the terms of what you make, about what that would mean. I mean, if, if you make $50,000 a year, that would mean you, that you owed somebody $100,000. And the other person would be about $10,000. It was a lot of money that somebody owed. But then it says this, verse 42. This is the, one of the keys. Neither of them, neither of them had the money to pay him back. Both of them owed him different amounts of money, one much more than the other. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So, this person in the story, he canceled the debts of both. And then he asked a question to Simon. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon was going like, is this a trick question? You know, I mean, you know, I mean it's kind of obvious here, right? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And then Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Simon had to give the obvious answer because it seemed, it was just, it was obvious. Now, the next verse, look at how it's structured. Notice the first part of the verse in verse 44, the way it's said. It says this, then, Jesus, then he turned 
toward the woman and spoke and said to Simon. He turns and focuses the attention, his attention upon the woman at that point in time, but he begins to speak to Simon. He's not speaking to the woman. Why is he doing that? He's drawing the man's attention to the woman. Probably this, this Pharisee, Simon, who a while ago had been grumbling, mumbling under his breath, this woman, she's a sinner. He probably didn't even want to look at her because, you know, he was holy. He was above looking at sinners. So what does he do? He says, Jesus turns to him and says to Simon, do you see this woman? She came into your house. You did not, and then he says this. This is what nails it. You did not give me, talking to Simon, Simon, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. What he was saying to Simon was this. This is the first inclination we understand a whole lot about Simon at this point. In that day and age, when you came to somebody's house, if they were your guests, one of the things that you did when you, they came to your house is that you gave them water to wash their feet. Washing feet was a normal thing. It was like when you came in, it was like if you didn't wash for somebody's feet, or offering them water to wash their feet. It was like them coming into your house and you ignoring them. Literally, I mean, somebody comes to your door, you go to the door and you say, hey, how are you doing? And turn your back and walk away. That's literally what this means here. And it says, Simon, you did not give me a kiss. Now, I understand this. I thought it was really cool at the airport a couple of weeks ago. I can say this because all of our bass kids are at camp, Okay. But uh, one of the things I, I saw a couple of guys do is they came up and, did anybody get kissed? Yeah, a couple of you did. Okay, yeah. Uh, the guys came up and kissed, the guys, in and, and most cultures in the world except for us, uh, kissing on the cheek or, or, or hugging is kind of a normal thing to do. Guys and guys and girls, you know, the whole thing. Now, we don't do that in this culture, but the understanding this was a cultural thing to do. It's kind of like giving a handshake to somebody. You know, and it's the worst thing you can do in our culture, I try to teach our kids, I hope you teach your kids this too, is give a firm handshake, not just a wimpy handshake. You know, what does it tell you when somebody gives you a wimpy handshake? They're a wimp. No, no. <laughs> or they don't like you. You know, maybe that's the other issue. They don't like you. But the thing here that he's saying to him, he says, Simon, you, 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 you just disregarded everything. That showed that you really cared for me. You invited me to the party, but then you ignored me. You ignored me. You ignored everything. And then it says, you did not put oil on my head. And that day it was a common courtesy as well. As, I'm going to go through the whole reason for that. But it was another one of those things you do to allow people to say, you're welcome. It's like offering them something, you know, would you like some iced tea or something to drink, you know, because you're thirsty, it was just one of those things they did in that culture. Simon ignored, from the understanding of this, Jesus, Simon ignored everything to show that he really cared for Jesus at all. <clears throat> but the lady who wasn't invited did everything to the nth degree to show that she cared for Jesus. And then in verse 47... In verse 47, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, and he's talking to Simon, and he's talking to the lady, 
He says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who, who has been forgiven little loves little. Now what does this mean? What does that mean for us? In that context, in and by itself, it's kind of fuzzy. But understanding the whole context of Scripture, it's very clear. It means this. It means that the person who does not recognize their need, they only feel like maybe I need to be forgiven just a little bit because I'm not really that bad. That person won't be forgiven. You're going, how do you get out of that? Well, let me say, in looking at all of Scripture, you have to pull all this together from Jesus' teaching because in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5, Jesus says the same thing. He says this, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What does that mean? Does that mean that there's two types of people? Jesus certainly didn't mean that there are two groups of people in the world, people who need what he has and people who don't need what he have, has. Because in Romans 8, uh, 3.23, it it's, uh, says this. The Bible tells us that all have sinned. We're all sinners. So he's not saying that there's, he said, you know, it doesn't mean that there's some people who need what Jesus has and some people don't need what Jesus has. What he's saying to us, he means that there are those that can't have what Jesus has to offer until they recognize their need. Because Jesus says, I didn't come to spend my time and pour my life into people who think they have it all together. He says, I can't help those people because they won't let me. I came to pour my life into people who have figured it out that they have a need and that they don't have it all together, that they are sinners. They're called sinners. And really, it's everybody, but some people just don't get it. But I can only help the people who know that they're sinners. Another example, three times in the Gospels, Jesus says this. He says, he who is well has no need for a doctor. I didn't come to call the well but the sick. What does he mean? That there's a, there are certain people that are spiritually well and some people that are spiritually sick? No, that's not what he means. What he means is that he can only help the person who recognizes the need and goes to the doctor. who understands that they are sick. You know, that is what he's saying to Simon. He's saying to Simon literally this, Simon, you are religious. Yes, you are religious. You live your life like you have no needs, but you don't recognize your need. And you were like the guys, both these guys in the story, who can't pay back your debt. You just don't even know you have a debt. And Simon's probably standing there in the midst of this, this, this whole thing, and he's standing there and he's thinking to himself, he's thinking, well, there's two kinds of people in this room, Jesus. There's me and you, we're together, and there's this woman. And Jesus is saying, well, you know, that's kind of right. There is two kind of people in the room, but Simon, you're with the woman. Because you have just as much needs as she does, you just don't recognize that. Your problem is you don't see it. Because everyone needs what Jesus offers, but you can't get it until you know you need it. The woman knew what it what knew that, and it says in the very next verse, verse 48, this is why Jesus said to her in verse 48, because she recognized her need, then Jesus said to her, turns and says to her, Your sins are forgiven. She recognized her need. 
She came to God. She came to Jesus, the Son of God. And she throws herself on his mercy. Verse 49, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Guess what? They didn't know who he was. It's like us going like saying like, well, uh, LeBron James, he plays basketball? Two? Besides doing commercials? Or press conferences or whatever he does now? You know? I mean, I mean it's like, huh. Jesus, he forgives sins too? Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith is saved, you go in peace. Now, in the next seven minutes, <clears throat> I looked the clock on the wall back there, that's why I say in the next seven minutes. Next seven minutes, I want to talk about the most important part of this today. Because I told the story, I'll tell you what the Bible says, but the most important thing is this, the application. What does it mean for you and me? And that's what you're here for, right? Application? If you're here for just information, uh, just you're clueless, okay? Because the Bible's supposed to change our lives, not just give us stuff to know. Oh, yeah, I know that. That's good. Well, no, it's to change our lives. So what, is the, what does this mean for us? That's the important part. I want to talk about the three people really quickly in the story. Jesus, the Pharisee, and the woman. And we need to ask ourselves three questions. The first question is this. Am I like the Pharisee? Am I? Am I like the Pharisee? Am I? Three specific things about the Pharisee. First of all, what? He despised the woman. He despised the woman. Verse 39. Look at verse 39. It says, in a real sense, it talks about him. It says that he, had, he saw himself and he, he looked at the woman and he didn't want to touch her. And he, he said, oh, she's a sinner. He despised the woman. Why did he despise the woman? What do Pharisees do? They judge people by externals. He looked at her reputation. He didn't see her as who she was becoming. I mean, she was there at the feet of Jesus, the Son of God. She was crying. She was weeping. She was taking her hair. She was wiping his feet. She was taking an expensive perfume and pouring it. She was worshiping Jesus. And what does he see? Her reputation. Are, you, are we like the Pharisee? Are we easily, do we easily judge people because of externals? Two, he despised her worship of Jesus. He despised it, man. When she started doing it, she's going, no, woman, quit doing that kind of stuff. You know, quit getting down at Jesus' feet and groveling. Why was he so uncomfortable with her worship of Jesus? I mean, he was probably saying, woman, don't you have any pride? And she would have probably answered, no. Because, yeah, I know my need. And persons who understand this and who understand their need, they come before God just broken and humbled. And he was prideful. Also, this Pharisee, he ignored Jesus. He ignored Jesus. Remember, I just told you in those verses 44 through 46 when he talked about all the things that he, that he did or didn't do for Jesus when he came to his house. Jesus was there, yeah. But why didn't he, why didn't he, why did he ignore Jesus? Because he didn't love Jesus. It's obvious. 
And why didn't he love Jesus? Because he didn't know Jesus. We say, well, he's at his house. He? Well, no, he was whole, you know, Simon was all focused on Simon. Simon was all eat up with himself, and he was so focused on himself that he had no inclination of who, who was in, his, in the room with him. Am I like the Pharisee? A religious professional. I mean, yeah, I know the Bible. I come to church, but I don't apply the Bible to my life. That's a Pharisee. Do I look down on other sins as worse than my own? That's a Pharisee. I was, there's a book I started reading recently. Uh, um, I'm, I've got really cool now. I've got a, a Nook, uh, which is an electronic book reader, and so I download books all the time and, and didn't read them later on. And uh, it's kind of cool because you don't have to even go to the bookstore anymore. You just do it electronically. And, and I was reading a, a really good book by Philip Yancey. Uh, Philip Yancey, it's called The Jesus I Never Knew. And in that book it says this, and I, I, just, I just took a little quote out of the book. It says this about, about something. It says, the Christian church now attracts respectable types who closely resemble the people most suspicious of Jesus on earth. What has happened to reverse the pattern of Jesus' day? Why don't sinners like being around us? Somehow, Somehow we have created a community of respectability in the church. The down and out who flocked to Jesus when he lived on earth no longer feel welcome. How did Jesus, the only perfect person in history, manage to attract the notoriously imperfect? Then he says this, Reading about Jesus' assorted dinner companions, I searched for a clue that might explain why Jesus made one group, sinners, feel so comfortable, and the other group, pious, feel so uncomfortable. In short, Jesus moved the emphasis from God's holiness exclusive to God's mercy inclusive. Instead of the message, no desirables, undesirables allowed, he proclaimed in God's kingdom, there are no undesirables. Am I a Pharisee? Do I look down my nose at others? Do I look at their failures, not mine? Do do I focus my attention on their sins, not mine? Do I talk about them, not to them? You see, if we're serious, this is important, listen up. If we're serious about building a biblical Christ-honoring community here in this community of Germantown Hills and, and Metamora and Washington and East Peoria and all the places you guys are from. If we're serious about building a biblical Christ-honoring community in this place, this is critical. There can be no favorites here, no rich, no poor, no, poor, no talented people, no, no beautiful people. No race is better than another race. No, it's not about whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics. No difference. Men are not better than women. And the mature are not better than the immature in God's economy. No one, and let me, i got to say this as well. No one is excluded from accountability. No one is above answering to the rest of the community for the choices they make and the lifestyle they live. 
The essence of the gospel says this in Galatians chapter 3. It says this, For all of, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We've put on Christ. That's what it means to be a biblical community. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're all the same. It means that we have different gifts and abilities, but we complement one another. But this must be a place where everyone is equally welcome. All equal. Everyone welcome. Christ is the head. That's the kind of church that God wants us to be. So, am I like the Pharisee? The second person, am I like the woman? Am I like the woman? Let me ask you a question. Not a question. Let me say this. The prayer we need to pray is this daily. Lord, help me to see that I am like the woman. I have needs. The characteristics of the woman is easy to see. She fought, number one, she followed Jesus. She followed Jesus. She overcame her fear. The fear of being rejected by the crowd, the fear and the shame, and she overcame her shame to follow him. It's in verse 37, it says that. Some of you here are like the woman. You, you're in a position, you showed up at church, and you're going like, I, the last place I want to be is at church. But you have stuff in your life, and you know that you need something, you need to deal with it in some way. And I want to let you know that you're welcome here at Great Oaks. This is not a place for perfect people. You're truly included. You can be loved here, received here. And, and, and if you will just commit yourself to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what our purpose is here. She followed Jesus. She, she faced her sin. She faced her sin. She saw her need. And she, and she's, and she was willing to face her sin. Will you do that? You know, like I said, Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all people who have needs. And then she found forgiveness. Imagine what joy she found when she heard the words of Jesus, when, when he said to her, you are forgiven. You see, I think we're most like the woman when we really sing and believe the words of the old hymn that we sometimes sing in church here. We've changed a little bit, but Amazing Grace. Have you thought about what the words are when you first, the first few words of Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> I mean, some of it, you know, if we don't think about the words, that means, man, I, I'm in need of something. I'm a wretch. There's another old, old hymn, too, that we don't sing here because it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it doesn't really work real well sometimes. I don't look, totally agree with the theology, but it's, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? And then it says that something about we're, us being a worm. Some of you didn't grow up in church, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, it's, it's, it's an old hymn that has some, some really, but the, basically the idea is this, we realize that we have a need. Am I like the woman? How passionate are you for Jesus? How passionate. And lastly this, real quickly, am I like Jesus? 
Am I like Jesus? You're going, no, I'm not like Jesus. Well, let me tell you what it means to be like Jesus here. Two things, real quickly. Jesus accepted both of the people. He accepted the Pharisee and he accepted the woman where they were. How do I know? Well, he loved the Pharisee too. He went to his house. He accepted his invitation. You know, our tendency sometimes we hear a message like this and we're going like, we don't like them Pharisees. No, we're going on a Pharisee witch hunt. Out with the Pharisees. No more Pharisees at Great Oaks. Jesus went to the Pharisees' house. You know, Pharisees need Jesus too. And he accepted the woman as she was, and she helped, and he helped her to see the solution to her problems. Jesus gave both of them what they needed. What, was, what, did, the, what did the Pharisee need? What did the Pharisee need? The truth. The truth. You know, Jesus spoke the truth in love to the Pharisee. He lovingly spoke the truth in love to the Pharisee and said, Hey, Simon, <laughs> this is where it is. I don't, I, I, I don't know, we don't know where Simon went from there. I'm hoping that Simon got the message. He accepted the reality of his sin, and he humbly accepted We don't know. But Jesus gave Simon what he needed, the truth. What did the woman most need? She needed assurance that her sins were forgiven. And guess what? She got it. Am I like Jesus? Do I fully accept people around me where they are, or am I quick to condemn, to judge, because externally they don't look like, like me? Well, regardless of where you are in your relationship with God, welcome to Great Oaks, a place where sinners, Pharisees, and unreputable women are fully accepted. Because as we explore what Christ has to offer us, we realize this, that God has the solution for all of our needs. All of us are sinners. All of us need God. We just have to recognize that and accept that. And in doing so, God will give us exactly what we need. Assurance of forgiveness in a life that's worth living. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.